Welcome to episode 74, episode Joe Staley. My name is Kyle Posey. We are back. We are not talking about the offseason because the 49ers won, and that was fun. And that was about as good as it gets. We are going to discuss the Rams game, the biggest comeback in the Kyle Shanahan era as a 49er head coach. I'm joined, as always, by Akash. Akash, what is up? KP, what's going on? You were there. I wish I was there. Got a little emotional at halftime, like most people did, because the team was about to get boat raced on the road. But unbelievable comeback. And we get to talk about 49ers football for another week and, uh, you know, p- push the offseason away for at least one more week. The last thing I want to do was, you know, come into this week, having to talk about free agency, having to turn the page and talk about draft prospects. Was not ready to do that. Um, I mean, it's January, man. This team should be playing in January. So I'm glad that they came back. It was, again, a lot of fun. Yeah, I was there. That was the first time in SoFi. Huge stadium. Um, far better food than Levi Stadium, I should say. Um, just a really fun atmosphere. A lot of red in the stands. Uh, when the when the players came out of the stadium, it was a roar. It was The stadium was shaking. In the second half, it like more than anything, it felt like a home game. And not just like a 49ers-Texans home game. It felt like a playoff home game. So that was really cool. And I think the defense acknowledged that they, they fed off not only each other, but the fans. So um, Levi South is what it ended up being. So let's talk about the game. Let's talk about how the 49ers got down to begin with. So I think a lot of times when you see, you know, 17 nothing because that, what what, that's what the score was for a large part of the first half, you think that, you know, you're, you're getting your teeth kicked in, you're getting boat raced. But for, as far as the defense goes, I didn't feel like they were playing poorly necessarily. They were doing a really good job on early downs. And then Safford would just make a really good throw on third and long. Somebody would go open. Uh, Cooper Cup, one of the best receivers in the NFL, they had Dante Johnson guarding him. Knowing that, he's probably going to get a lot of yards, and that's exactly what happened. Of course, they made adjustments, and we can talk about those in a little bit. But um, that's what I saw on defense. Again, the Ambry Thomas touchdown, that happens because the special teams gives up a long punt return. So the – Rams were able to start inside essentially the 49ers red zone and they were gifted a touchdown because of that. Thomas is in perfect position. He still goes up to catch. So that didn't take away from defensive line winning often up front. So that the score kind of clouded your perception of how dominant the defensive line was. And that kind of showed itself in the second half. Uh, what did you see from the offense? Why, why was the offense down in the first half? 49ers had four possessions in the first half. They punted on the opening uh, two drives and the offense just looked a little bit out of sync. Uh, they weren't their early down success um, wasn't very good. And now you're putting Jimmy Garoppolo in some of these third and long situations. Uh, you got Colton McKivitz at left tackle who hasn't taken a, you know, a snap there uh, for the 49ers. And all of a sudden you punt a couple times. Now the Rams are up 10 uh, zero, I believe at that point. And then the next thing, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo, airmails the ball over the middle and all you see are like three or four defenders in blue like waiting to catch the ball and next thing you know it's 17-0 near the end of the half the Rams are driving and they could easily make this a 20 to nothing game or a 24 to nothing game and I thought the biggest play of the game was on that third and one um, uh, right after the interception uh, like I said Rams have a chance to put up points Nick Bosa beats Andrew Whitworth. Eric Armstead beats his man one-on-one. They end up sacking Stafford. That ends up being a punt. 
And then the next thing you know, the 49ers are in this now uh, two minute drill. I think they had like 40 seconds, 35 seconds, something like that left on the clock. They go boom, boom, boom down the field, uh, get the three points before the half. And next thing you know, it's 17, three and you look up and you're like, they were getting their butts kicked at one point. Uh, like Rob mentioned before he hit record, they had, I think negative net passing yards at one point, uh, which is not good. And the next thing you know, you say, okay, they're only down 14 points. They get the ball back to start the half. Like if they can just make some adjustments, um, offensively, they could be right back in this game. And I thought defensively, like you mentioned, the biggest thing was getting killed on third and long. I mean, routinely, they were in third and nine, third and eight, third and 11, and Cooper Cup would be making plays, or Tyler Higby would make, be making plays. And um, I think the one adjustment that you were kind of alluding to was moving Dante Johnson off of Cooper Cup, moving Jimmy Ward off of Ben uh, Skarnick, and, and flip-flopping those matchups. And the third down success started to improve as the half went on, and they were able to claw their way back in. But I, I think it really got kick-started with that sack on third and one and then the end of the half drive uh, to put up points. Uh, I think that was kind of the catalyst in the end of the game. Yeah, you don't win that game if you don't score at the end of the first half. And I, I feel pretty confidently in that. So if you go down, if you enter the second half down three possessions, that would be very difficult to come by. Two possessions, now it's stop score and we're right back in this thing and that's exactly what happened so that drive before the end of the half that was big and again as you said that sack before the ball before they got the ball back because if the rams pick up that third down 49ers are not getting a second crack at a two-minute drill after they kind of dropped the ball in their first two-minute drill so let's talk about how they were able to come back again they down 17-3 at half uh, the rams score one touchdown so the ward going in. I don't know if this was just because of necessity. So Jaquaski Tart is out. So they have to move Dante Johnson to safety. Why? Because there's nobody else on the roster who can play that position based on the injuries. Because Talmo Funga had already left the game because he had a knee, like he irritated his knee. I think Shannon said. So by that, you have to bring in a guy you just signed off the street a few days before the game. Started Darquez Denard, and he is now your slot cornerback. So they're still they are as aggressive as it gets. I think that was one of the big reasons, the big turnarounds as well. So D'Amico Ryans, he was playing a little soft um, at first. And I think that's just because he doesn't trust his corners based on the last month. How could you possibly trust your corners? Um, that changed because Emmanuel Mosley came back and we saw his value. I think he was excellent in the game. That helps to have a really competent corner out there for you. So having Ward on cup, having uh, Mosley on Beckham. And then again, that didn't stop the pass rush from, they were still getting after Safford. And now that you're able to just prevent those bigger plays when up front, I think the corners did a really nice job tackling too. And that was a big, uh, you know, that helped them get off the field. And then again, just turnovers, of course, it, like, it comes down to getting the ball back to your offense. So Mosley had a nice interception. Um, I just saw Brandon run on the field. Uh, did not see the people talk about that on Twitter. That was insane to me because he's so caught up in the moment that Mosley catches the ball. He's jumping up and down. As soon as he confirms he catches the ball in his head, he runs onto the field. He has no like, buddy. It was an, there was an ocean he's moment that down. went through his head. Yeah, big time. It's like, oh, I got to get off. And he doesn't just run off the field. He sprints to the back. What's crazy to me is he ran right in front of the referee. Like, he crosses the face of the referee. The ref is so locked in that he doesn't know what's going on. He doesn't realize this person who has a jersey on, who doesn't have the helmet, his helmet on, is actually not on the field. So that would have been a disaster. I, I think um, he had he had something else in his hand, too. <laughs> Do you have a water bottle? 
it, I forget what it was. It, it, it wasn't a jacket because they were in Los Angeles, but I thought he had something else that he was running onto the field with, but it was just insane because he's literally probably like five yards away from the play. And then if you watch on the all 22 angle, you see like Jermichael Hasty, a bunch of the coaches like run onto the field as well. I think the play ended up being called dead if I, if I'm not mistaken. So technically they didn't gain any yards moving forward, but I'm sure that was a teachable moment uh, <laughs> earlier in the so week. It was no harm, no foul, just because, you know, the 49ers ended up punting afterward, but just hilarious that that happened. And to me, I didn't mind it. It shows you how, you know, I think they, they play together a lot more than people give them credit for. I think, you know, they have good relationships all around. You saw that at the end of the game, Jawan Jennings on his 34-yarder down the sideline, Trent Williams with his one arm is First in person down there. face. Yep, like in his face, in his face. The play clock is still running. Trent Williams does not care. Still in his face, still celebrating, still congratulating him. That was cool to see. Um, but again, like I think they just played really well down the stretch. They limited the mistakes. And yeah, you said just not allowing anything through the air. So Stafford was on fire. We talked about 66 yards in the second half. How much of that came on just one play to that Stafford down the, um, down the sideline down to sideline. Jimmy Ward, who was in perfect position. And again, he throws a blind fadeaway. Not much you can do. So uh, second half dra- uh, second half drives for the Rams. Three plays, four yards. Three plays, negative six yards. Six plays, 14 yards. Nine plays, 92 yards for a touchdown. Good teams are going to move the ball and score. That is going to happen. After that, three plays, five yards. Two plays, nine yards. Five plays, 20 yards. Interception, ball game. Get out of here. That defense that they played in the second half speaks to who this defense really is. And it was nice to see it catch up on the scoreboard. How about offense? What, uh, how'd the 49ers come back on the offensive side? When your quarterback goes 10 of 15, 176 yards, a touchdown interception uh, with a pass rating of 101. Uh, more often than not, that's, that can bring you back in a, in a game. Um, I thought he played uh, far better than he did in the first half. Um, and especially just the, um, the first two touchdown drives coming out of the half. The opening drive, they had the big play down the left sideline to Brandon Ayuk, where I guess the Rams just forgot to cover uh, number 11. I think that was a play where he went up to the defensive back after the play and kind of bumped him too. And you're like, all right, Brandon, showing a little bit of uh, personality after the play. Um, that ended with the Debo Samuel touchdown. And did anyone in the building think that Debo Samuel wasn't going to score when he got the ball? He got the ball, and I don't think there's many players who go from zero to 100 as quickly as he does. I mean, his ability to turn it on to top speed, to get to the edge and score on some of these plays all year long has just been uh, unreal to watch. And then the second drive, uh, this is where I thought the game, again, really shifted. 11 plays, 74-yard touchdown drive. And I think there were 10 straight runs, if I'm not mistaken. And it ended with a Debo Samuel pass uh, to Jawan Jennings for the touchdown. And it felt like with every run, I think even Troy Aikman mentioned it on the broadcast. It felt like the Rams were just, you could just see the soul being snatched out of them on that drive. Yeah, and we talk about it all year long. The toughest thing if you're a defense is knowing that the opposing offense is going to run the ball down your throat and you just can't stop it. It's just saying, our 11 guys, we're going to line up. You line up 11 guys and let's see if you can stop us. And they could not. And you could just feel the 49ers imposing their physical will on the Rams front. And with that drive, now it's 17-17. It's a new ball game. You got a little bit over a quarter. And let's go see what happens. And the 49ers were able to come up with enough plays. 
and defensively as well. You know, the Emmanuel Mosley interception, uh, the Ambry Thomas interception at the end of the game. They just made enough plays down the stretch to give their offense enough opportunities to go out and score. And I thought that was that was huge because in a comeback, it's not just your offense putting up points. It's also defense being able to get stops, get off the field on third down. Um, and the one thing you mentioned is D'Amico Ryan's getting a little bit more aggressive. On the first third down of the game where Odell Beckham makes the catch, I think they'd rush three. They dropped DJ Jones into coverage. I don't think I've ever yep. seen that this season. Um, he looked odd dropping <laughs> into coverage. but <laughs> Large they were, human. Large human. Then they, they started to rush five a lot more in the second half. They love that look with Fred Warner on the defensive line along with Arden Key, Eric Armstead, Samson Mebukam, and, and Nick Bosa. And you saw a lot more of that in the second half. And just the combination of their pass rush, their rushing attack, they just – they just turn, flip the switch in the second half, and they look like a completely different team. So on that first play you were talking about, people tend to complain when it doesn't work, when you drop eight, when you drop a defensive lineman. So the goal is to just get another opposite color in the quarterback's line of vision. So in his mind, one, two, three, there's three seconds for him to make a decision. He's not thinking, oh, number 90 is here. Number 93 is here. He's thinking, oh, this is an opposite color jersey. I can't go here, so I go to another read. That's the point of doing that. And on the other side, they're chipping Arden Key, Nick Bosa, whoever. So you have, you know, you take one of their eligible receivers and slows him down as well. So I get the train of thought. And then Mosley's in position to make a play. It, again, is just a really good job by Beckham and by Stafford. And it wasn't as if um, Mosley didn't make a play. He just, the offense made a better play. But I think the way that this defense is, is made um, is this this defense is built when they can blitz when they can come after you so the defensive line all game like they were in track stances like they're when when you most of the time a defensive line is even these guys their butt when their butt goes high in the air they are coming after the quarterback and that's how they are all game it was fascinating to see man just that um we're gonna play the quarterback if we happen to tackle the running back on the way to the quarterback so be it but they were just all in on stafford and they were really destroying him. I thought, and this is really weird to say, um, given that just switching gears to the offense here. First of all, they were able to overcome an, an interception, two interceptions for the second game in a row, which hasn't been the case all season. So good on them. I thought this was one of the best games I've seen Jimmy Garoppolo play. I'd argue that it was the best yeah. game that I've seen him play. I think they needed him to play his best given on how the first half went. I didn't mind his interceptions, honestly. I thought the sack fumble was egregious. That cannot happen. You cannot take a sack when, you know, we're, the offense is leaving seven players in to protect. Uh, the one to Kittle was – it was an errant throw, but he had pressure in his face. And I think, to me, that was more of Ramsey just being a superhero. Uh, he tipped the ball t- two or three times before he caught it. On the other on the other interception, he had, you know, somebody in his face as well, and he just sailed the pass. Like, all right, sell the pass. So it happens. But I thought he made a lot of good throws. I thought he, he pushed the ball down the field more importantly. That has not happened all season. That hasn't happened consistently all season. And against the Cowboys, they're going to have opportunities to push the ball down the field. So it was nice to see him, you know, just not lock on, not lock on to people. We've seen him, you know, look one way, forget that there are other defenders on the field and make a mistake. That was not the case, I feel like, for the most part. And that's why the offense was able to come back. But a lot of unsung heroes in this game, too. Um, Elijah Mitchell, you talked about eight broken tackles. Uh, like Brandon, you isn't really, yeah, Brandon, you isn't really an underrated guy, but he had 106 yards. He went over 100 yards for the first time all season. Jawan Jennings, 94 yards, which 
felt like close to a season total coming to this one. Uh, we talked about marks beforehand. So on defense, on the, for the Rams defense, Jennings, the guy who was guarding him, 21, like he was the mark. They were going after him nonstop because the Rams were doing a good job. They're just taking Debo away. Kittle finished with five receptions for 10 yards, and they, they scored 27 points. Trent Williams did not play, and they scored 27 points. Uh, that just tells you how talented this team is, just because knowing who their opponent was. And then you flip sides. We talked about this a little beforehand. Uh, Kentavia Street, Kevin Givens, they had everybody making plays on the defensive line. So you can just name all the defensive linemen. Honestly, and I know this is tough to say, knowing that you know he gave up big plays against Cooper Cup, but I thought Dante Johnson played really well against the run and was a big reason why you know they got into those third and long situations. Um, one of the keys, and I don't want to get too technical here, but the Rams have a really good running game because they give their wide receivers a head start. They get wide receivers downhill. They seal your linebackers, and that's how Sonny Michelle has been running for 100 yards. What D'Amico Ryans did was he covered up um, he covered up the wide receivers, so he made Cooper Cup block at the line of scrimmage instead of like giving him, you know, a free head start. And that was a big reason why, you know, the Rams running game was shut down. So a lot of wrinkles, a lot of curveballs thrown in from D'Amico Ryans. He's awesome, man. He's he's not going to be along for very around for very long. I can I can promise you that. So uh, let's turn the page here. That was fun. Um, let's talk about another end of season game. So we were talking about a little bit this before we, uh, before we logged on here, what was better 2019 Seattle knowing, you know, you have to have the division you're on the road you are a favorite, but it is your rival. You're going against, you know, Russell Wilson, Nick Mecca, Tyler Lockett, or what we just saw, which a lot of similarities uh, don't have a playoff berth clinched, but um, you're going against the Rams. You're going against a 12 win team. You're going against a team that has a chance to be NFC West champs. So a lot was on the line here. I think, I mean, I have my opinions. I've been talking for way too long. Let me tell, let me ask you, what do you think? Uh, which was better, the Seahawks week 17, 2019, or the 17-point comeback uh, just this last Sunday? Not trying to be prisoner of the moment, but I thought this was by far the best win of the Kyle Shanahan era. Given all that they've gone through this season, they haven't been a particularly consistent team. That's the reason that they were in that spot even at nine and seven, um, all the advanced metrics, all the advanced numbers told you that they were a better team than what the record showed, but they still needed to win on the road against a division rival um, in week 18 to get into the playoffs. They were, they closed at, what do we say? Like three point underdogs um, after it opened um, at a larger line. Um, just going into this game, you would say that the Rams were probably a better team um, those close, especially with no Trent Williams on the field. And the 49ers went in there and won. And given the fact that they came back from a 17-point deficit, the largest in the Kyle Shanahan era, I think it was the largest since the 2013 NFC title game when they were down by 22, uh, 22, I think. So huge comeback on the road in a must-win game. I'd say that's that's better than the Seattle game where the circumstances were different. Going into that Week 17 game, they were a three-point favorite. I'd say they were the better team on paper. Um, earlier in the year, they should have beat Seattle. Uh, just some, you know, it was that Monday night game at Levi's. Some weird stuff happened. They ended up losing. They had, like, the backup kicker off the street kicking field goals. Um, so I just thought they were the better team, and the and the game flow dictated that, right? They were up early. Garoppolo was efficient, and they kind of let Russell Wilson back into it, and, and the game changed. But 
I'd just say this win was probably the best win in the last four years, and I don't think it's particularly close. I think that, you know, it's easy to get caught up in the rivalry, and when you think 49ers Seahawks, like that's going to be the cream of the crop. That's going to be the top of the list when you're thinking about the matchups. But I think considering what's at st- what was at stake here, so if they don't come back, if they don't win, we're talking about the offseason. Like we're turning the page. In, in 2019, if the 49ers don't win, yeah, it sucks. They probably don't have a home game. They're going to Philadelphia. Round, but yeah. they're still playing. Like they still have a playoff chance. And they're, they're still more than likely they were going to win in the wild card round. Um, that wasn't the case this year. And I feel like, and Rob disagrees, but I just want to be, make this very clear that Rob is wrong here. And the, <laughs> in 2019, that was the stakes are just so much different here. And so much different. It it probably is a little bit prisoner of the moment here. And maybe we aren't getting, giving enough um, attention to that 2019 game. And Jimmy played well then. And I thought to me before this, that was the best game that I've seen him play. Just again, I think you have to consider the stakes when you're talking about these type of things. But he was awesome. Um, down the stretch here and I feel like just the team like everybody came through at different parts of the game and just to see we talked about it like Sean McVay running on the field just like being a clown in that sense and uh Ramsey going out of his way to you know talk trash to Debo Samuel the two times that he was able to have a collision with him knowing that the third time he was responsible for giving up a touchdown because he didn't do his job because he wanted to take Debo's helmet off it's like all the little chess pieces or little counters in the game I feel like when you add those up, it it really was a special game. And, yeah, I, I would agree that it was probably the biggest win on this team um, in Kyle Shanahan's era. Um, you can tell that a rivalry is it, – it's been there, right, given the given the history between Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan, given the San Francisco-Los Angeles situation. Um, you just say the Rams fan base probably – I mean, we know it's not nearly as big as the 49ers, but – Yeah, they don't have fans. Right. So there's like this NorCal, SoCal thing going on. And uh, you know that the teams take it personally. Like George Kittle mentioned it after the game. A lot of players mentioned the body bag comment to him, which I thought wasn't even like a shot at the Rams. I thought he was just saying that it's going to be a really physical game. And they just somehow took it as like that. He meant that they were going to put the Rams in a body bag, which is not what he said. But, um, you know, Sean McVay celebrating. You, You knew that the five straight losses was all that they got asked about all week. You knew that it was personal. And it felt like that when they went up 17 nothing. you were like, oh, boy, this is personal for the Rams. They're going to run it up. They're going to send the 49ers home. You're watching the Falcons' Saints score on one side. Uh, <laughs> Matt Ryan's throwing picks. Mike Davis is fumbling. Taysom Hill scoring. And you're like, oh, boy, they're going to miss the playoffs. And the next thing you know, the team turned it around. It was a complete team effort offensively, like you mentioned. Jimmy Garoppolo, If I think you tweeted it. You don't get the drugs that they put into him at the local pharmacy. No, 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 you don't. If you watched him, his his thumb wasn't really the issue. And and I get it. And I, be, I more or less said the same thing at halftime. You're like, oh, boy, how do you play him like this? And then you realize, well, he makes the same interception a lot of the games yeah. with a healthy thumb. So clearly his thumb wasn't really affecting him. Um, it was just – and, you know, in the second half, phenomenal. Ever since that end of the half drive and the two touchdown drives to open the half, and then the fact that he drove them 88 yards in 87 seconds, those throws under pressure, especially in overtime, um, the biggest thing is protecting the ball, right? On those final two drives, the one thing you can't do is turn the ball over. And both situations, protecting the ball, making smart decisions, like on that third and goal, was it, to Kittle, dumping it off. Like, just take the smart. You, you know what to do. You've got points in the bag. Let your defense play. And 
I like I said, I thought this was the best game he played. Um, just some of the throws he made under pressure, given the stakes, and given everything that's been said about him, fairly or not, for him to just respond that way was was huge. Oh, it's fair, by the way, and we should be clear about that. It's when fair. You, when you turn the ball over, you are going like we're going to talk about it. Just like when you play well, we are going to talk about it. I feel like you know people take it personal whether you say one thing or another about a player, but. I've always dealt with this in football where you just call it how it is, man. And that's how it should be. Um, I was watching him very closely in pregame warmups. And if the ball was were to sail, that's when I'd be like, okay, his thumb is really bothering him. Uh, that was not happening. He was throwing it on the line. He was throwing it with his normal zip. He was throwing it accurately. It looked like a person who had not been hurt, like who had you had you would have had no idea that. Um, he was dealing with an injury. I thought just talking about Kittle and the body bag thing. So after the game, Kittle said that the Rams players were talking crap to him about yeah. it. They brought up, hey, what about this body bag? And he's like, what are you, what are you talking about? I, I didn't say anything like that. So it's funny how just, I mean, bulletin board material, people twist the words. Uh, that's how it goes. But also I want to touch on if the 49ers didn't win this game, they didn't deserve to make the playoffs. So you don't deserve to make the playoffs if you have one win in your division. You don't deserve to make the playoffs if you're relying on the Falcons to win a game in the final week of the regular season. They had ample opportunities over the course of the season, the 49ers, that is, to win. One of those was against the Colts, who lost to the Jaguars, and they're on the outside looking in. Like There are so many games you can go back through. Like How did they lose this game? And I feel like because of that, the perception of this team is off. So this is a six seed. This is not your normal six seed. This is a six seed because for one and a half to two and a half quarters a game, they go they out of their way in. to look horrendous. Yes, they they look very bad at times. Then for large parts of the game, they look like a dominant one seed where, as you saw, the Rams couldn't do anything. They're going three and out, three and out, three and out. The offense, they did whatever they want to. You do not run the ball 10 times in a row against anybody in the NFL you surely don't run the ball against the Rams 10 times in a row. And it wasn't just that. They were throwing the ball down the field. They're you know, getting 15, 20-yard chunks. They were doing whatever they wanted to on both sides of the ball. Um, special teams got out of the way. Robbie Gold was punting. Like I was talking about the unsung heroes. So Dante Johnson Gold. plays nickel, nickel, and then he plays safety. Uh, Cold McKivitz hadn't played a snap all season. He's playing left tackle. Just the fact that they were able to score 27 points with Cold McKivitz at left tackle says a lot be able to run the ball 10 times in a row with Colton McKivitz, knowing that they are still going to run left, says a lot. Yes, Robbie Gold, punting, kicking, punting better than their actual punter. Uh, we should bring up us. Kyle Juszczyk holding kicks. Yeah, Kyle Juszczyk holding kicks. I mean, you just go down the line, go down the list. Everybody pitched in, and that's why I think this – that's why, you know, we would say this one was about as, as good as it gets for the team. So, yeah, I think the perception is off from the Niners, just knowing that if you go down – like their stats, their trends since week 11, they're better than a lot of teams. Or a lot of stats would, would say that they're one of the better teams, but because they continue to shoot themselves in the foot for one to two quarters a game, uh, it seems like, you know, they're iffy. So let's let's go into the Cowboys knowing that because I think they're going to win. And I think that they're going to win because they are the better team. And they, the 49ers are built to win in the playoffs, but they had to get to the playoffs for that to happen. And they, as always, as they, ha as they have all season, uh, made it difficult on themselves. But now that doesn't matter. So they're in. They're on the road going to Jerry's world. Cowboys, without Michael Gallup, they are going to get Tony Pollard back, I believe. So, you know, they're going to. They 
even if they don't have Michael Gallup, think about it. So they still have CeeDee Lamb, they still have Amari Cooper, they still have Zeke Elliott, they still have Tyron Smith, uh, Zach Martin, Dak freaking Prescott, who is better than Stafford in my mind. So they have a ton of weapons on that side of the ball. And then you flip to the other side of the ball, tons of speed up front. They got guys who can catch on the back end. Michael Parsons, who's been well, you know, one of the best rookies in the NFL, one of the best players in the NFL, honestly. So this is going to be a challenge, but I just don't buy that they have the same physicality of them. I want to know who do you think the mark is? So we talked about, again, in the Rams game, the mark was the center for the Rams, and the mark was their fourth cornerback. So they were banged up in the secondary. But the 49ers took advantage of that because that's what good teams do. And that's how, you know, Ayuk and Jennings has a career game. What do you think? Or who do you think, I guess, is the mark on the Cowboys? Just stepping back from your question, a lot of people this week have been talking about, oh, man, the Cowboys weapons, C.D. Lamb, Amari Cooper, Zeke Elliott, like you mentioned. And then you and then you, then you take a step back and you say, well, the 49ers are trotting out George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, Elijah Mitchell out onto the field and, you, you know, Trent Williams, whatever. And you're like, that's pretty good. That's a pretty good group of skill players as well. And so – you know, when they step out of the field on these playoff games, the 49ers, the most, most of the times are going to have the better group of skill players. Um, just, just given the names that I've mentioned as long as they're on the field. So I feel like that's getting lost in this conversation that a lot of fans look at the opposing group of skill players and they're like, Oh man. And then you realize that the the 49ers are pretty loaded as well. But I, I would say the mark this week is in the defensive backfield uh, for the Dallas Cowboys, obviously up front, they're extremely stout. Demarcus Lawrence um, and Micah Parsons, uh, they can rush the hell out of the passer. Their, ru- their running defense is a little little leaky. I think they're 18th in rushing defensive uh, DVOA. Uh, like I mentioned yesterday, they were their 25th in explosive run plays given up. So they give up. I think uh, they gave up 52 plays of at least 10 yards on the ground. So they get gashed on the ground, especially to the edges. So you're going to see a lot of tosses, a lot of Debo Samuel runs to the edge, I bet. Um, And then the mark, I I would say in the secondary, probably Anthony Brown, number 30. I remember in in the game that the Raiders played the Cowboys uh, back on Thanksgiving, he was getting abused over and over again. So I would expect him to be the mark again. So similar to Dante Dion being the mark for the Rams, I I would say 30 is the mark for the Cowboys. Yeah, and – I wouldn't rule out Trayvon Diggs either. So he's 23 years old, young guy, and he looks the same as he did in college coming out of Alabama. So he he has nine pass breakups. He has 11 interceptions. That is tough to do. But he has also given up 922 yards in coverage, and he is giving up 11 yards per target. And that is not great. You want to be below six. So that gives you an idea of just how many big plays he's giving up. They should honestly run a double move every series against Trayvon Diggs because – if you just think of any gif over that you can think of uh, the office when Stanley is getting up and he leaves really fast, they that's what happens with Diggs. He just runs to you if you are going to run any sort of underneath route, and you can take advantage of that by getting over the top of him. I imagine Kyle Shannon and the 49ers will. So on Blogging the Boys, which is our I'll call it sister website uh, for the uh, for SB Nation for the Cowboys. They are talking about the divisional round. Like they are not even talking about the 49ers. They're talking about who they're going to play in the divisional round. It's just unreal given how the Cowboys are a lot like the 49ers, where you know they've kind of underachieved. They've been hot and cold. They haven't been the team that's really put it together like we thought they would. Yeah, they just scored 51 points, but they did against uh, Gardner Minshew. So let's have let's keep in that in some context here. 
Um, but I do agree that they will be able to take advantage of the secondary. They're going to have to, though, because Randy Gregory, uh, Micah Parsons, and DeMarcus I always Lawrence. forget. Yeah, I always forget his name. DeMarcus Lawrence, who might be the best of them all. Uh, you are not going to be able to get by the Cowboys without Trent Williams. And we talked about you know being able to score that many points with Trent Williams, but Elijah Mitchell is breaking tackles in the backfield. Um, you know, Debo Samuel doing the same against the run. And then I thought Jimmy had a couple of times where the Cowboys or not the Cowboys, Von Miller was in his face and he just got rid of it so quickly that McKivitt's getting beaten on the play. You know, it didn't come back to taunt them. On the other side, Tom Compton, he was not good either, which should not come to a surprise because that has been the case for most of the year. So the Cowboys are going to take advantage of the 49ers tackles. Um, you should make it be one. <laughs> so Trent Williams really going to need him to play. All right, let's go to the other side of the ball because, as, as we mentioned, they have a lot of weapons on that side of the ball. I think Dak is just a computer. He is a wizard as far as knowing where to go with the football, knowing where your weakness is. So it's going to probably come down to the defensive line. It's going to come down to, you know, Mosley having another stellar game. Um, they're going to have to tackle as well. So keep Dallas in third and longs, bring pressure against them, and I don't – I want to say like hope they make a mistake but i imagine if you get them in enough third and longs with the just as you did against the rams eventually it'll it'll come out in the in positive for you so uh, what do you think on this side of the ball who's the mark the interior of the offensive line as has it been uh i'd say from the majority of the 49ers opponents it, it's going to come to you know it's going to come down to this defensive line taking over this game and that's been the 49ers mo under Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch, and that's going to be the case again this week. Can that 49ers defensive line win uh, consistently enough, especially on third down against Dak Prescott, who you uh, and I certainly admire? Can they get him to get rid of the ball, you know, uh, force him into errant throws, force him into a mistake, into a turnover, something of that sort uh, to get the 49ers offense extra position, extra possessions, get the defense off the field, things like that. So I would say uh tyler byads their center connor williams uh one of the guards probably the weak point of that offensive line and i'd imagine D'Amico ryans and chris kasarik are going to key in on that they've been really good at putting their pass rushers in successful one-on-one situations against um the opposing line's weakness which you and i hit on was the center last week for the rams and similarly if it's the guard or the center for the cowboys they're going to find ways to get uh, a Nick Bosa, an Eric Armstead, an Arden Key, someone against the the weaknesses and, and let them go after your quarterback. So I'd imagine it's the same formula. And if Emmanuel Mosley and Ambry Thomas are able to hold up in coverage like they did uh, last week, that's even better because now you don't have to play Josh Norman on one side. Uh, and then the other injury I'd say to watch is, is uh, Kwaski Tart, who, again, underrated part of this defense out with a groin injury, but I think Kyle Shanahan said on Monday that they got some positive news coming back on the MRI, so hopefully he's able to play this week because that would be a huge loss, but this defense will probably get back Aziz Alshire, um, and even though they have Dre Green, I think 51 is the better player, so it'll be huge to get him back as well. I just think they match up well against the Cowboys on both sides of the ball. Cowboys' weakness is that rushing defense, 49ers, uh, with Elijah Mitchell, Debo Samuel, Jeff Wilson are going to take advantage of that. Then on the flip side, this pass rush is going to win on the inside. I just, 
in these, you know, January road playoff games, I just like the tougher physical uh, teams that have been in this spot. And we, we talked about this before we hit record. The Cowboys are one and four against 10 win teams this season. Their only win coming against new England early in the season in overtime in Foxborough. Um, I think in the last like seven or eight weeks, they've lost to all the playoff teams that they played Kansas city, Vegas, um, the only team that they've beaten were, was the Eagles. And you mentioned they had Gardner Minshew and some backups. So a lot of people like to point to their, you know, points per game or their yards per game. And a lot of that's skewed by playing in the NFC East six times. Um, and so we'll see, we'll see how that plays out this week. But I definitely do like the 49ers in this matchup. So Kyle Shannon is going to score against Dan Quinn. Like they work together. He knows Quinn. He knows what Quinn wants to do. I'm not worried about the 49ers scoring points. I want to see what D'Amico Ryans comes out and does. Like, is he going to come out swinging? Is he going to be aggressive? Is he going to sit back? Is he going to – we know he's going to throw curveballs, but they are far more athletic up front, and that was – you know, that's exactly what happened against the Rams, and we didn't mention even Lael Khan. So, like, Nick Bosa, he has to be a superstar this game. And Arden Key, Eric Armstead, like, all their secondary, you know, rushers, like, they're going to be good. They're going to probably continue to make plays, but I feel like more than anything – you know, if they're going to advance, they need their best players to play like their best players. And I feel like that relies on Nick Bosa. Is that fair for, you know, to say that, hey, Nick Bosa, for us to win, we might need two sacks out of you? No, that's not fair. But they're going to make him the highest paid edge rusher of all time, I imagine, pretty soon here, whether it's this offseason or the next. So knowing that's about to happen, he is your superstar and you need him to play like a superstar. Have Again, have no worries about the offense doing their thing. Just going to come down to getting stops. And I feel like, you know, when I talk about the tackling, and you you mentioned this, uh, with Tart, his injury, like he was phenomenal. And he's not going to do, be able to do the things where that gets him a lot of stats. But I think he makes a lot of sacrifices where he just takes on blocks and that allows Fred Warner to be clean. That allows Emmanuel Mosley to be clean. Uh, they play a lot of single high three deep coverage. And you are not able to do that without your cornerbacks being excellent tacklers. That was the case with Mosley, with Johnson, and with Ambry Thomas. Now he's coming along as well. So they're going to have to be very stout against Zeke Elliott, Tony Pollard on the edge because Pollard can fly, man. And I don't think people understand how good he is, how dangerous he is. In the playoffs, explosive plays win. We know the 49ers are going to have explosive playoff or explosive plays. Um, CeeDee Lamb, Amari Cooper, Tony Pollard, they're probably going to get theirs too. So it's just about limiting it. Um, do you think like what do you think happens with Dak here? Because there are games where you know he does look a little off, but then there are other games where I mean he just plays like Safford in the first half, and there's really nothing you can do. You just hope he misses. So which version of Dak Prescott do you do you think we see? He's had a weird season in terms of he had a midseason injury, a calf injury, I believe. Uh, I know they've been really shuffling around his offensive line. Um, they've been moving around some players, trying to find the best combination, and and. Uh, obviously the injury to Michael Gallup it just feels like he hasn't hasn't played in rhythm uh this season every time you watch him on prime time uh, I had him on my fantasy team for a large part of the season there'd be games where he would just not look like himself and in years past he was never turning the ball over and this season it seemed like he there were a lot of uh un you know interceptions that were uncalled for and again that's kind of what you're hoping for on Sunday for the 49ers you just want your defensive line to put Dak Prescott in a bind um, to force him into some of these, you know, errant throws or mistakes that he's been uh, more prone to do this season than in years past. 
If they can do that, if they can just flip a couple possessions here, um, then the 49ers offense, I think, against this Cowboys defense is going to have its way, um, both running the ball and then explosive plays through the air, which the 49ers lead the NFL in explosive pass play rate at 12%. And that's in large part thanks to their uh, skill position players. So I, I'd imagine that trend continues as well on Sunday. I think a big reason why you know I do I am confident in the 49ers is just because uh, they're first in the NFL in red zone scoring touchdown percentage. So when they get down there, they score. It's going to happen. Um, Dallas is also very good. They're six, but the 49ers have been first all season long, and and that we haven't seen any reason why that would be different. So um, I, I like their. I really think this is a good matchup for them. Like just physicality. You mentioned being able to run the ball. So Trey Sermon was activated from the injured reserve. I don't know if he's going to have a role, but the fact that there are four running backs on the roster right now tells me that Shanahan is gearing up to run the ball 900 times in this game. And I mean, when, if that's the mindset they have, that is a great thing because, you know, you have the quick passes from Jimmy, you have the play actions you can build off of, but their identity is running the football. And once they got to that in the second half against the Rams game, that's when things started to turn around. You run the ball, you keep your defensive line fresh. And then when they're fresh, they're monsters on the other They're side. They're teeing so, off. Right. It was fun. It was fun to watch. Let's let's get some predictions before we get out of here. What do you got? 49ers 27, Cowboys 20. I think the 49ers take care of business. Whoa. I think it's uh, – I think the Cowboys I are a little it. fraudulent. I think the Cowboys are. are a little fraudulent. Uh, I think just given their record, the fact that they're 12 and 5, the fact that they're the number three seed, they're at home. Uh, a lot of people say that they have a better quarterback. I think a lot of people think that the Cowboys are going to win. I think the 49ers just match up better. I think they're more physical team. I think they're a tougher team. I think they are built to win in January, given how given how stout their pass rush has been. Um, they've got the second best rushing defense in the NFL, uh, according to DVOA. They've been stout, you know, along the inside of that defensive line. They're as healthy as they've been all season. They're going to get some of these guys back, like we mentioned. Hopefully, Trent Williams is El Shire. Um, you know, their secondary situation, which has been kind of a, a void throughout the season, feels, you know, a little bit more plugged uh, with, you know, last week with Mosley coming back, playing really well. And then Ambry Thomas, who's consistently just gotten, you know, better. I mean, they trusted him to guard Odell Beckham Jr. basically one on one on that last drive in overtime. And, you know, he went up and made the play. And so you could clearly see their trust in Thomas has grown. And so just given all that, I think they got the better coach. I just think this team, just because they're they're, they're the sixth seed, the perception is very different on the 49ers. And I think because of that, they come out and they win big. They win by a touchdown at Jerry's World, which I think will be, uh, you know, majority 49ers fans. So I'm glad you brought that up with Mosley and Beckham. So, you can't be as aggressive as you want to. So, that, like, he flipped the switch. They they started to blitz more. They started to come after Stafford. You can't do that if you don't have somebody who can guard one-on-one on the outside. That's what Mosley was doing. So, Beckham caught the first third down of the game for a first down on third and long. He caught another third and two pass. I believe it was later in the quarter in the second quarter uh, for a two-yard, three-yard slant. And then after the game, after that, he did not catch another pass. Mosley was in his face the entire time, and he took him out of the game. That is something that we should be talking about more. So uh, he trusts Mosley, and that is a big deal. I imagine he will probably guard Amari Cooper. I would be a little terrified of who's going to guard CeeDee Lamb, especially in the slot, because we saw just what happened 
when uh, when Cooper Cup's in the slot. But it should I mean, get K1 Williams back, hopefully. Yeah, which which would be good, especially for you know their run defense and how they how they want to blitz. But you you think of what the Cowboys just did. They scored 50, 50 points against the Eagles. You think what they did a couple weeks ago on national TV and they scored fifty six points against Washington's football team. You ignore how they lost to the Cardinals. You ignore how they it was like twelve six against the Giants a couple weeks ago um, on the road. So they are yeah, Doctor Jekyll or Jekyll and Hyde. Just very inconsistent too, much like the 49ers. Um, against the Chiefs, you mentioned, you know, they're losing against these playoff teams. They got 33 points against the Raiders. They only scored nine points against the Chiefs. Uh, I remember even way back when against Denver. Like, they, they don't look like a team when they play a competent defense. When they play a competent team that they play up to their, their skill level, uh, Mike McCarthy might be a big reason why. So I'm going to take Kyle Shanahan over Mike McCarthy. I feel like that is not a very bold statement, but, you know, that has to matter. Shanahan's familiarity with Dan Quinn, that's going to matter. And then, again, I, I want to see what D'Amico Ryans looks like. So Ryans is a first-year coordinator, but Kellen Moore is not exactly seasoned on the other side either. So this will be a fun matchup. Uh, 27-20, that is a touch. To say they're going to win by a touchdown on the road is ballsy. I love it. I think it's going to be, you know, like 24-20, but I do think the 49ers win. I think we will be able to talk about, you know, whoever they're playing next week, whoever that is. Um, it'll be fun. Though, Green man. Bay. Yeah, I mean, it's it Green Bay as long as the Eagles um, don't get upset. Don't win. Yeah, yeah. All right, that'll do it for us. Thanks as always for listening. Uh, December was great for us. January is going to be even bigger. Rate, subscribe, review wherever it is you get your podcast. Leave us five stars. Let us know your favorite moment of you know these podcasts of the 49ers games. As always, thanks again, Ashkosh. Where can we find you on social medias? Find me at Twitter at A-K-A-S-H-A-N-A-V. Once again, appreciate everyone for listening. Rate, subscribe, review to the Niners Nation Podcast Network. Hopefully this isn't the last game we're breaking down. Hopefully the 49ers win this one and advance into the divisional round. KP, where can we find you on social and YouTube? KP underscore show. Type in Kyle Posey on YouTube. I'm going to be trolling Cowboys fans from here on out for the rest of the week, and I'm not going to slow down. RJ Ochoa, we are coming for you. I'm going to beat you in chess, and the 49ers are going to beat the Cowboys, and I'm going to talk crap every second of the way. Thank you, as always. I will be in Dallas. I'm going to be trolling Dallas fans in real life as well, and I cannot wait. Have a great day, everybody. We will see you next week after a 49ers win.